When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business. Greetings of the day, my fellow listeners, and welcome to another edition of Building Better Businesses. I am your host, Steve Eschbach. I am a trans world business advisor, franchisee owner here in Naperville, Illinois. I am one of eight of us here in the Chicagoland area, and I am also one of over 200 of us worldwide. Trans World Business Advisors is the largest business brokerage in the world, and we are continuing to grow. I'm delighted today to have a return guest, but she's flying solo today. And what I mean by that, it's just Jessica Fialkovich. She is the uh, owner of the Denver office. There are two in Colorado now, right, Jess? Yeah, but we own the majority of Colorado. So Okay. But since we met last, you were on a little more than a year ago. You now own Las Vegas and, Las Vegas. and in yep. Dallas? Yep. Yeah, in Dallas, Fort Worth. Yep. Oh, that's exciting. So you're continuing to grow. And then on a personal level, you're growing as well. Yes. Because she has now in her household a six-month-old business broker to be. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about Yes. Yeah. So our son Bricks was born in October and you're totally right, Steve. Al is already training him to be a business broker. I think Andy, who you just had on your podcast too, he's also tagging um, Bricks for the next generations of business brokers. So hopefully he has a business mind and doesn't decide he wants to be an artist or something like that because his future apparently is already set. So That's exciting. That is absolutely delightful. Congrats to you and Al again. So the last the last time I had you on, you had Al to your right, you were on the left, and we were just about heading into the pandemic, I think. It was like mm-hmm. early 2020, and now we're almost two years past that. Uh, and of course, one of the other reasons why I wanted you back here, show us that uh, that book you yeah. have there. This is my other baby that um, actually <laughs> just was released in April. There we go. Um, but I turned it into the publisher the same week uh, that Bricks was born. So two babies in one week. <laughs> so I can tell you that I've read your book and I've also read Andy's, Andy's book. Um, both of them are absolutely uh, spot on in terms of lessons learned. And I like the fact that your book also uh, interviews other people. So you get your perspective as well as expertise from others. And we're going to talk a little bit about exit plan versus exit options yes Talk a bit about that so tell us a little bit more about your background again i know you're on here before i know you and al have been running a trans world office for quite a number of years very briefly give us your background once again yeah so i'm originally from new jersey i started in um, online marketing digital marketing specifically for nfl and nhl teams 
when the recession hit, I decided that the only way to really secure my future was to own my own business. So my husband and I started a business in the wine and spirits industry, did very well in that, but it was not our long-term plan. Wasn't going to sell wine for the rest of my life. So we sold that business in 2012 and that's how we got into business brokerage. Um, so we've been with Transworld. We're in our 10th year now. So we just celebrated our nine-year anniversary. And uh, like you mentioned, Steve, we've got uh, three offices. We've done over 500 deals, over $350 million in transactional volume, and have about uh, 40 brokers working for us. Yeah, that's exciting. And it has grown by leaps and bounds. So congrats to you and Albo. So we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, again, we're going to go back to best practices for owning a business, selling a business, buying a business. Uh, you were going to talk a little bit about getting the most for selling your business. Uh, it's an absolutely fantastic book. I enjoyed reading it from the various different perspectives. So give me a summary of uh, A, what prompted you to write the book? What theme were you trying to get across and what ultimately came out about as a result of you doing that? Because that's probably more in the book than you thought of originally. So tell us a little bit about yeah. that. I mean, I, it was one of those things. And Steve, I know as an author too, you always have these ideas floating around in your heads of what's the next book going to be. And for me, it was what's my first book. Um, and I kept returning to the scene where I saw a lot of our clients that wanted to sell their businesses come to us and uh, they were completely unprepared. And that's not uncommon in our industry. A lot of people don't think um, that far ahead. And, and a lot of times you don't have the opportunity to think that far ahead because sometimes something in your personal life precipitates a sale. So really my goal was to give small business owners, especially a roadmap of how can you prepare your business for sale in a short time frame. Um, and I know we'll talk a little bit about exit plan and exit options, but there's a lot of exit consulting firms that'll say, hey, you need three to five years to plan your exit. And, and oftentimes like our business owners, small business owners, they, they don't have that kind of runway. So how can we shorten that time frame? Like what can you do in six months? What can you do in 12 months? What can you do in 24 months and really impact your sale? So that was what I wanted to communicate across in the book. And the process was, it was great. Like just kind of reviewing the best practices that we've combined um, from all of our experience. We also, I did just a lot of buyer interviews and buyer engagement over the last three years to understand really what our buyers willing to pay for. Cause I didn't want this to be some theoretical, like Harvard, Harvard manual. I wanted it to be like straight from the buyer's mouth. Like what am I willing to pay for in a business and what's going to make me pay more? Um, and that was really the approach that I took with the book. Yeah. And it uh, were there any surprises when you uh, before you started your book and as you went to get to the last edit before publication, anything that was a surprise to you other than your exit plan versus exit strategy? Yeah, I mean, there's surprise about the publishing process, which is a whole di different story. Right. But, um, you know, there was there was surprises. I wouldn't say surprises. It's just revisiting some of the deals and some of the stories with our team about the impact. Like I thought really going into this book, I thought I was going to have to sell, share a lot more negative stories or negative outcomes um, to get the point across. But really what came out of it is, is there's a good mix of both, but some of the positive outcomes that we share in the book, it was just fun to revisit with those owners and, and see the impacts on their lives and, and what the sale has done for them uh, personally, as well as business-wise. So let's uh, right now you're talking about preparing your business for sale. You clearly point out in your book the difference between an exit plan and an exit option, correct? correct. So why don't yeah, and that was an interesting point, and I really appreciated that. Share with us a little bit about what that is, and so we understand the difference. 
Yeah. So an exit plan is usually a well-defined strategy um, and it's usually used for larger companies of I'm going to build this company, I'm going to scale it, and then I'm going to sell it to Google, Facebook, whatever, enter the strategic buyer in there. Well, the problem with plants is, um, and this is <laughs> something we've all learned in our personal and business lives, is plans don't always work out how we design them. They don't work out exactly the way that we've roadmapped them. And things change both internally with ourselves, they change within our companies, and then they change externally. I mean, like, look what just happened in the last two years. No one predicted that. And a lot of exit plans or general plans probably suffered in that process. So I'm more a fan of this options strategy, which says, hey, what are a few different options I will have to exit my business and how can I best position it for that? So it gives you a little bit more flexibility and adaptability that you're not just designing your business to sell to one specific strategic buyer, right? You're giving yourself some more options which we also know in the business brokerage world is is beneficial because ultimately it creates more competition for your business if you decide to go sell instead of just having one person or one company locked in. So I'll bet you that that came about as a result of your dealing with the hundreds, maybe thousands of buyers and sellers over time, you realize that maybe it's just not an exit plan, but it should be a little bit broader, I think, in terms of giving yourself other alternatives, because you're right. You may be looking to sell your business. It turns out you may buy a business instead. So I'm sure you come up with a lot of these surprises. What was the most um, surprising event that you had, uh, if you can recall, when you were interviewing a seller who wanted to sell, like they wanted to go down path A and they turned out to be on path Z. Is there anything unusual that happened in your career? Yeah, actually, we uh, were working with one of our Exit Factor clients right now. And it's kind of similar to what you just said, Steve, but they had originally come to us and said, I want to get ready to sell. And my timeline is about 24 months. Well, after diving into learning about the process and learning about the market, they've now become an acquirer. So they've paused the sale. They're now about 10 years out and they're going through an acquisition process. First, starting with one company, but they'd see how they can do what's called a a roll-up strategy or acquiring different smaller companies in their industry over the next three to five years and then exit at a higher value. So um, that was a big surprise. And it's it's a pretty aggressive acquisition strategy. It's not just like, hey, I'm just going to buy this one company, but it's going to be extended over a long period of time. Right. So you talked a little bit about planning for your next step. I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about Exit Factor because that's a very unique program. And I have found, just like you have, many of the sellers are not prepared to uh, sell their businesses because they don't have everything that's there. So tell me a little bit about Exit Factor. What really is designed? What size range for that business? What are the ultimate outcome? I know it's a 12-month process if you can afford that amount of time, but you learn so much. So I don't know if you can summarize that very, very quickly. Yeah. So Exit Factor, um, our core purpose is to increase value to the business sale community. And that means to to brokers for their clients, but also to clients directly to increase not just the value of their business, but the likelihood it will sell. If we look at all small businesses um, across the U.S., about 87% of them never sell. So we're only selling about 13% of these businesses. So our goal really is to take that 13% and grow it to 15 or 20%. Like how do we make more small businesses sellable? And we did that with the small business owner in mind, knowing that they have limited 
funds, they have a limited budget and they've limited time. Um, so it's primarily online course and uh, group accountability coaching through Zoom, like we're doing right now, um, over a 12 month period. So we dive into different areas of understanding one, how does this business market work? Then identifying where we are in terms of valuation and expectations for our exit options, moving the needle and trying to increase value a bit but also at the same time, decreasing what we call deal killers or the likelihood a deal will die. And then finally moving to that marketing phase. So it's like I said, it's an online course with group accountability meetings and some uh, one-to-one consulting services as well. But the purpose is in 12 months or less, let's get move your company from unsellable to sellable, from less valuable to more valuable. And our clients have really benefited it. They like the group coaching environment. And also, like I said, it allows us to reduce the cost of these, a lot of these exit strategists that you'll bring into your company are usually five figures on an annual basis. And, and we're able to do this program for much less. Absolutely. So are there some clients, some selling clients that you've met who are adamant about selling that after they found out about Exit Factor, they shifted gears a little bit and said, you know what, if I took 12 months to really go through this program, and it covers everything from legal to financial and accounting, getting your records in a row, customer database. I mean, it's very, very comprehensive. And it it takes about that much time, 12 months to get it all in a row. Did you come across a lot of business sellers who said, you know what, maybe I should do something like Exit Factor. I will bet you quite a few did do that. Yeah, it, it really comes down to like the question I ask everybody is like, what's the day you want to walk out of your business? And if you have to walk out in less than 12 months, then you probably already need to be on the market, right? Because it takes about eight to nine months to close a deal. If you want to, if you have more than 12 months and you can invest one to two hours a week of just working on the business, working on this strategy, then it makes more sense. Um, So that's usually the question I ask people is like, what's the day you're walking out the door? And the other thing too, is it's a good valuation gap. So say you're talking to your broker and you think your company is worth a half a million dollars, but the broker is saying, "Ah, I think it'll only sell it for 300. If you're willing to spend that 12 months and that one to two hours a week, that's usually where you can solve that valuation gap is like, how can I get a little bit more before I get that bigger return? Um, On average, our exit factor clients increase the value of their business about 40% over a 12 month period. Absolutely. So let's get a little bit back to your book now, because um, you you had an opportunity to speak with quite a few of the people you work with day in and day out. Were there any surprises that came up? Because you've been doing this now. You and Al have been doing this for a dozen years. You've owned your own business. You've exited your own business. So were there any surprises when you put this book together that came out as a result of your uh, interviewing quite a few people? Um, actually, the one surprise was we do have a section in the book of um, impact you can make in six months or less. So talking through with some of our clients and some of the brokers we work with, we did find some strategies that, hey, if you only have six months, you can increase the value of your business by doing these two things. Now, granted, you know sometimes that's for businesses that um, have never thought about an exit or options before, so they have no preparation done, right? But that that was, I think, the biggest surprise for me because I was always in this methodology of you need a year, you need three years, you need five years really to make an impact. But we found a way that there's there are a few simple things you can do even if you just have six months. Absolutely. So now we are theoretically. Uh... 
I don't know if the pandemic will ever be behind us, but certainly uh, we are well beyond the initial phases of this. Are there anything, uh, anything that came out of the pandemic with respect to business ownership, business sales, business buying that has changed considerably over the last, let's say, 18 months? Or is it still the basic tenets that drive value for the business? I think it's still the basic tenants that drive value. Um, I haven't really seen buyer preferences change a whole lot. Now, look, look, the buyers are definitely asking, how did this business fare through the pandemic? And I, I think things like having, um, you know, a disaster recovery plan in place for some small businesses, like that's better to be able to say now than it was three years ago, right? So they, they are asking more questions like that, but the basis of them wanting to see a profitable business that's not owner dependent, um, that has some type of recurring revenue. Like those are still the top three things um, that buyers have requested in terms of you know what they want to buy and what what they're willing to pay more for. That really hasn't changed um, through the pandemic. I think there's industries that have increased in value because of what we went through, but also because of how they approached the pandemic and how they were able to be creative and adaptable. But um, ultimately, like the buyers still want a good, profitable business that's not owner dependent. Right. Yeah. So let's go a little bit about some of the questions that I have here in front of me, not related to. Again, this is a common question. What are the mistakes to avoid when selling a business? I mean, this comes up time and time again. They still continue to make them. What are the most common errors or mistakes that business owners make when they're ready to sell? Yeah. I still think the number one most common mistake um, I see is, is related to expectations, right? And that's that's part of the reason I wrote the book and with Exit Factors. If we can educate business owners a little bit more on the process, they can adjust their expectations. Because typically what we see, and, and you know this, Steve, is people go in with an idea of the value of their company is either wildly more or wildly less. It's easier to work with people that it's wildly less, right? You, you under promise over deliver, but that expectations killer is probably still the biggest one of how much is my company worth and what is an appropriate deal structure in my industry, in the size company that I'm in. I, I mean, by and far, there's a lot of them, but that's the one that I see that's most common and the biggest because um, it kills a deal for many different reasons. So uh, with respect on the buyer side, are the buyers having a different preference or are they still looking for really good businesses that, you know, make solid money? Is there a preference in industry? I mean, I know we had the pandemic. You had some of the uh, PPP. I say PPP. I don't mean that, you know, the protective equipment, the masks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I mean, has any of that influenced any of the businesses? Or are they still kind of going back to the basics of what it, like a restaurant doing what they're doing, manufacturing doing what they're doing. Have you seen any big dramatic change in operating a business, buying and selling things of that sort? I mean, I don't think there's dramatic changes. Like obviously in a lot of the retail and forward facing service businesses, there there's things that have changed that probably will never go back. Right. There's probably going to be um, PPE in most of those businesses for the foreseeable future. Um, there's probably going to be um, a, a bigger scrutiny on, you know, health and cleanliness of restaurants and salons and things like that moving forward. I think the other big change outside of like that. Uh, brick and mortar facing is just the virtual aspect, right? So I, I think the pandemic fast forwarded us 
probably 10 years in terms of what is acceptable in a virtual environment for businesses. And now that's, that's something that buyers are looking at is, you know, one, can this business be run virtually so it can give me a better pool of talent or at least portions of it. Right. And also can it be for me personally that way, you know, I can live where I want. I can travel where I want. We have seen a lot more um, buyer inquiries on that are from buyers that are out of town because they're looking to run businesses more remotely. That's a big change too. So here's an interesting question that didn't come up the last time we spoke. Now that you own three different offices in three different locations in the United States, do you find any differences with respect to Texas versus Colorado versus anywhere else? Is it still basically the same or are there attitudes, preferences or nuances related to geography? Yeah, I don't think there's too much nuance. It's like, obviously there's there's microcultures um, throughout the, the entire US. So culturally you'll find deals getting done differently, right? Um, now, Texas and Colorado, we're, we're pretty much like Midwestern Rocky Mountain states where the culture is very similar, right? Deals still get done over a cup of coffee, over a beer. Um, it's, I don't want to say, I'd say it's less buttoned up than, than the East coast and more relationship based. Um, so you see those cultural differences in terms of valuation and how buyers are evaluating a company they're going to buy or not buy. I don't see differences there. It's more about how is that relationship built between the buyer and the seller? How's the relationship between the broker and all the parties? Um, and that's more of a cultural perspective. Um, so a little bit different. I go back to my East coast days and talk to, you know, our East coast franchisees a little bit different than we see out there. Um, but luckily the offices that we're in are very similar from a cultural perspective. So uh, has anything changed? Or one of the questions in your interview topics is mistakes to avoid when selling the business. Do they Have they changed at all? Are there still the same three things you need to be focusing in on? Yeah, there's still the same three things. There are a few things that have gotten um you know, brought up that are very pandemic uh, specific. So we, we talked about, um, or we mentioned PPP financing a little bit ago. And so we have these um, payroll protection program loans and idle loans and ERC credits. And there's a lot of money that inflow, inflowed to businesses over the last two years. And one of, one of the big mistakes that we've seen that's very pandemic specific, and I don't think we'll um, ever see this amount of it in our careers again, is the inflows of money, how it's categorized on profit and loss statements or balance sheets, and then also being aware of, you know, was that debt properly written off if it was forgiven? Um, what is secured? Like what kind of liens? We've run into a lot more issues um, with liens against businesses and things like that, um, that they're just unaware of or debts they have to pay off or, you know, PPP being categorized as revenue and when it's really not. Um, so like that's a huge change um, and something we all have to be aware of um, as we're running our businesses. So we're accounting properly, but especially if you're moving to sell, um, there's, there's just a lot more financial aspects to deal with. And, and like I said, I don't think we'll ever see the volume of these types of changes um, in the future, but right now, and really for the next three years, because the buyer's going to look at three years financial history. So for the next three years, we're going to have to make sure that all of those accounting procedures are, are done well and correctly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I wish we had more time, Jessica, to talk about some more things. And uh, we will have you back on again. Maybe we'll have Al on one time without you. Yeah. See how that 
but I'm going to give you an opportunity to flash your book up again. And how can people buy this? I know you're having a signing in Denver next week, but you're out and about. Tell us more about where we can get a hold of your book, which was an excellent read, by the way. I absolutely enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Yeah. So the book is getting the most for selling your business. It's available on Amazon and all major retailers, Barnes and Noble books, a million things like that. If you want more information or links of where to buy it, you can just go to exitfactor.com backslash book. Sounds great. So is there anything we missed? I mean, I I think I covered most of uh, what's current. Is there any trend or any topic we missed Jessica during our brief conversation here today? No, I think this has been a a great conversation and hopefully it's given your listeners a lot to think about. Um, Obviously, if they have any additional follow-up questions, they they can reach out to me. They can find me on pretty much any social media platform or reach out through the Exit Factor website. Give us a website or an email address before you go. Sure. It's exitfactor.com and my email is jf at exitfactor.com. Terrific. Thanks so much. And thank you, audience, for listening in again. I I tell you, I learn uh, something new every time I talk to Jessica. Thanks for sharing your insights. We appreciate your time and your your consideration and your insights. And uh, thanks again. And listeners, be sure to join us again for another edition of Building Better Businesses. Thanks so much. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business.